to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. Today's episode is all about addressing C-suite executives and high-dollar consulting. Whether you're a speaker or speaker consultant coach, you'll receive valuable gems for growing your business. First, we'll have Bambi McCullough sharing C-level executive coaching success secrets. Then we'll be joined by Amir Ganad, and we'll discuss how to build a seven-figure consulting firm quickly. Get those note apps and pens and pads ready. This is going to be a good one. Today on Voices of Experience, we have Bambi McCullough, who's been in business for 20 years and has a high six-figure executive coaching and speaking business. She has clients from Fortune 10 to 500 firms, and one of her points of pride is the fact that her original client is still a client today. Welcome to VOE, Bambi. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you for having me. Now, knowing that we needed to have an episode on executive coaching, you were the first person to come to mind. For those of you that are listening, I've known Bambi for years, and I know that her clients quote her like Confucius. I've never seen anything like it when I run into people that know Bambi, and so I knew you'd be excellent at this. So let's dive on into the first question, which is how does coaching C-level executives look different than coaching other professionals from a business structure and even messaging standpoint? Well, you know, the the CEOs are interest, have a different interest than another executive when you talk about executive coaching. Mm-hmm. They're not concerned about getting to the next position. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to become the CEO or I want to become a vice president. They're really interested in how do they support the organization okay. in having effective growth. When building a coaching business, what two to three tools or resources would you suggest professionals leverage? Well, I think it's important to have multiple products and services. Mm-hmm. You know, Joel Block talks about having eight different revenue streams okay. and because you only have a certain amount of time. Right. And you also want to provide things that are going to enhance what you're doing. So I have, you know, I use personality assessments, have organizational assessments. Mm-hmm. I also do retreats. I have a retreat center and I do mastermind, uh, small mastermind executive groups from that. Okay. So, you know, I've found that uh, I've created lots of different streams that just doesn't re- require me to be there. all the time. And I think that's critical. Another thing I think is really important is the relationship. If you don't love your client, if you don't really love your client, it's going to make it a challenge. Wow. And so uh, I know we don't often talk about love in business, but you know, the great, if you talk about the great sports coaches, they're going to tell you they love their players. Mm. And that provides the opportunity for your clients to be really authentic with you and to share because being a CEO is really lonely. Mm. And so being able to share the things that they're afraid about because they can't do that in front of their people. Right. And that also gives them a place for you to be able to be authentic with them when you see things that aren't working, you can have those tough conversations. So it sounds like it's a more intimate relationship with that level of executive coaching than many other types. Absolutely. Okay. So when we're talking about tools, do you suggest those of us that are interested in going this direction start from scratch? Or should we leverage an already existing format? Well, you know, I have I've been trained in this work, the work that I do for 20 years. I have about I have several tools that I use, but I have a methodology that I'm licensed to that that I find really works. Mm-hmm. So I think the important thing is that you find something that you can use that works. Okay. And I think if you find it from somebody where you can get a license to it mm-hmm. and you can put your spin on it, and it and it's even better, by the way, if you've actually experienced it yourself. I have an executive coach, and he uses the same method that I use because I haven't found anything more effective in making things happen. Mm -hmm. And so I actually think that being a guinea pig of whatever you choose is probably more important than what you choose. So that when you're selling, you can guarantee what you're going to provide as long as the client brings their part to the table. 
kind of full. It almost reminds me of Hair Club for Men. Where we <laughs> I'm not just right. the owner, I'm a member. That's right. So we want to make sure that we're a member. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. So for those wanting to turn a single gig into a coaching contract with their clients, can you provide a couple tips for that? Well, I think that's when you're dealing with the CEO, he's the ultimate buyer. Right. Because he or she has the opportunity to buy whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And what I find is when they really know that you're committed to them and you make a difference and you let them know what else you have to offer, they will bring you in to do those team building or strategic planning or leadership retreats. Uh, In fact, most of my clients have spent seven figures with me as a result of just add on business over time. Okay. Because they trust me and they know what I've provided works. So when you say just sharing what you're capable of, it sounds like when we have those speaking engagements and we know that those CEOs are in the room, not to be salesy, but to make it known that we do offer certain types of consulting. Yeah, because otherwise they're going to go someplace else and find it. Mm. But when you're working with the CEO, you get to hear the problems and the things that they're most concerned about. Right. And so, you know, it, for me, it comes from serving. It doesn't come from selling. If I'm serving them, I'm saying, this is something I have. And of course, I believe it's better than anything they're going to find someplace else. Right. And this can support you with that. I think the other thing that's important in terms of a tool, mm-hmm. and maybe it's his mindset, is that you have to be at be willing to get out of your mouth what you want to charge. Mm. That can be very challenging. And my very first client, when I gave him the fee for a five-day leadership program, it was in 2000. Okay. He said, I didn't pay that much for my college education. Wow. And I just listened. Okay. And then he said, how would you like to get paid? And it was a mid-five-figure you know, fee. Right. Now, they've made lots and lots of money. That's why they're still a client today. They're the most profitable of what they do nationwide. Mm-hmm. But, but if you can't, I call it mirror work. If you can't say what you need to say, mm-hmm. then so you know, I have my clients say in the mirror, that'll be $50,000 or that'll be a million dollars. If you can't say it, you can't sell it. I love the fact that you said that when the client had an objection, You didn't immediately go into defense mode. You said you were quiet. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that quiet, he turned around and asked you, how would you like to be paid? Exactly. That's counterintuitive to what many of us have been taught, which is you, you know, you immediately tackle all of their, you know, anything that they have to say that would cause them not to sign with you, any of their worries. But you just left a space of silence. I appreciate you noticing that, Crystal, because that is true. And there have been times when I haven't done that well, okay. where I've actually, you know, gone in and tried to prove why the value is. I would get nervous. Yeah. Isn't that a human reaction Absolutely. to try to prove our value? Absolutely. The thing that I think is important is you have to know mm-hmm. that you're going to provide that value. So it takes it takes courage to give a fee that you, you know. You put yourself on the line to be able to produce the value for. Um, but I still remember that. I remember the day because, I mean, I, I was a little shocked that he said that, college education. But they, they still are a client today. That's wow. the, my, that was my first client. Serve, not sell. Thank you for joining us today, Bambi. Thank you. Now that we understand the needs and desires of C-level executives, let's discuss how to quickly build a profitable consulting firm. On this segment of Voices of Experience, we have Amir Ganad. Now, Amir's special because his consulting business surpassed seven figures in revenue his second year in operation. His speaking business makes up 30% of his business revenue, and so he has this really interesting speaking and consulting model that some of you might have similar businesses, but others might be interested in learning a little bit more. And so our topic today is how to build a seven-figure consulting firm. Thank you for joining us today, Amir. It's a pleasure to be here. 
So let's dive right in. My first question for you is, what is the primary difference between a speaking business and a consulting business from an operational standpoint? Or is there a difference? Well, let's talk about what's the same, first of all. Okay. First of all, I think between speaking and consulting, you know, it should never be about just getting the gig. It's about really adding value to the, to the client, right? Mm-hmm. But what's different is that when, when you speak, uh, you know, you're going to do a, a debrief and, and so on and so forth, and then you go about your way, right? Right. Uh, but in consulting, what you want to do is you want to establish some sort of a cadence for ongoing communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because to me, what's really uh, unique about consulting is it all comes down to accountability, establishing those expectations. Who's going to do what? Mm-hmm. Because you could be the greatest consultant in the world, but if the client really doesn't follow through, then they're right. not going to be really happy. So establishing that cadence uh, and uh, really making sure expectations are really clear on who's going to do what. So what's interesting about that is when you mention the difference in terms of what you're hold, held accountable for, I think sometimes speakers think, oh, the client loves this talk. They ask you know, do you can do consulting? And they say, yes, I do consulting, even though they don't. So it sounds like you need more systems in place. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you, you ought to really uh, not just know the topic, mm-hmm. uh, but really have a process in place by which you not only bring the knowledge, but really engage the right people. Okay. What I found out is, you know, in my practice is that there are a lot of uh, people who already uh, have a lot of knowledge within the client's group. So okay. what I do, for instance, one of the things is go find those people out, uh, go find them and, and mm-hmm. give them a voice. Okay. Uh, so things like that really make a difference. Okay. When it comes so, to consulting. So from a consulting standpoint, it sounds like you're not even talking about just bringing in on all the talent, but even tapping into the talent that's already there. Yeah, I think that's really, uh, in, in my mind, that's really uh, a, a, a distinguishing factor. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the hero that comes in with the the model, says, okay, you go do this and everything's going to be fine. Right. The way I do it okay. is I integrate in your business. Anyway, okay. So in, in my client's business, what's working, what's not working, who are the experts, and then we work together. Okay. So can you boil down in two to three items that made it possible for you to create a million dollar business just two years in? I, I can't even get off of this two year <laughs> thing. Like that's mind blowing to me. So can you share with us maybe those two to three items that, that made it possible? Sure. I, you know, the first thing is I think you ought to be real clear about your offerings. So if okay. uh, you gave a speech and somebody comes up and say, hey, do you do consulting? You shouldn't be shuffling, trying to figure out, well, yeah, yeah. And then you don't have it together. You've got to really know uh, what is that sort of a journey that you're client is going to, to follow. So, mm-hmm. so for me, uh, you know, one of my largest clients really came from, uh, I was given a speech that, by the way, wasn't getting paid for. Okay. Uh, and this uh, person was their president of a company. They bought my book, came to my workshop, brought me in for a keynote, and then they hired me. And then next thing you know, uh, we had a, a large contract with them. So get real clear on your offerings and okay. that journey map. So it sounds to me like we actually have to have this written out so that we're prepared for consulting opportunities as they come up. We, we actually have this jotted down where we can actually recite or share, yes. this is the process, this is what I do. Yeah, think through it ahead of time. Just have it all ready. So yeah. I can't just show up and just brainstorm and yeah, say I'm a you, consultant. See, the thing, that's the difference. is like if you're hoping to get into consulting someday, you take that approach. But if you really are intentional about it, mm-hmm. then you think through it from a client's perspective and you okay. write it down, you think through everything that 
they're going to go through. Okay, you've given some of us homework. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Sure. So, last question. Should speakers structure their talks or trainings differently for leaders than other employees and team members? And I'm asking this because I know that most of your consulting is more so for leaders. And so I think from the speaking standpoint and consulting standpoint, is there a difference in how you present information to these two groups? Well, yeah, I think here again, what's the same is between speaking and consulting. You always want to give them uh, something that they can go put to good use immediately. Mm-hmm. I think what's different about consulting when it comes to catering to leaders who are decision makers mm-hmm. is you want to give them a, a little bit of the what on the next phase. Okay. It's like, okay, so you're accomplishing this and let me tell you what's on the horizon because many times they don't know what's, what they don't know, mm. right? So you give them the what and maybe even some of the hows in, okay. in, your, in your speeches okay. and you sort of whet their appetite so that they come oh. back for, for more, right? Because okay. you want to continue to add more value. Okay. Yeah. So you actually just gave everyone a lead-in for how to get those initial consulting gigs by structuring their talks so that they're kind of wetting the whistles of the leaders in the room. Right. Well, that was even more than what I thought you were going to share. So, Amir, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. On Voices of Experience. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. If you're not already a member of NSA, one of the best ways to network with like-minded speakers is via our chapter events. For a list of chapters, please visit nsaspeaker.org forward slash chapter dash directory. One more time, nsaspeaker.org forward slash chapter dash directory. Be sure to tune in next week when we'll discuss e-speakers. You're doing it wrong and losing money. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.